Warning, the following episode contains adult language, violence, and murder. Viewer discretion is advised. Hi guys, how are you doing today? This is the CMP Podcast. I am Christina Plourd, your host. So I wanted to release a bonus episode this past week with launch week. We've gotten so much love, so much good feedback. Constructive as well, just always trying to make it better for you guys. And I wanted to put out an extra episode just to treat you guys. Thank you for giving us love and support and listening. I appreciate that. The It's just, I've just been floored. I've just been, my heart is filled with so much love and I'm so excited to grow this podcast even more than it already has in the past week alone and just make it bigger and better and whatever you guys want to hear, please let me know. You can always go on my Instagram at the CMP podcast. Twitter's the same. Facebook's the same. You can email me at the CMP podcast at gmail.com and we can chat, you know? So I wanted to do this. Obviously, by now, you know what the bonus episode is because you clicked on it. You saw the name and the description. But so the other day, me and my boyfriend watched, and I don't think it was, it wasn't last night, it was the night before, we watched the new American Murder pod, uh, podcast, it's because I'm talking about a podcast, I said podcast, not podcast, we watched the American Murder documentary on Netflix. For those of you who don't know, may not be familiar, um, it is about Christopher Watts and the Watts family murders, um, they happened in 2018 so it's been a couple years since it happened but it's been a quite an interesting case um especially because Christopher was very he was just like acting very strangely and he he gave interviews talking about how he wanted them to come home and everything when in reality he knew exactly where they are um you see in the documentary a lot of body camera footage, a lot of text messages between Shanann and Christopher, and the letters that she wrote him. You really get a, a deeper look into her family and how everything kind of played out, um, him being interviewed by the police. So it was definitely more of like a f- first-person description it wasn't really like other documentaries where they'll like there will be a narrator explaining what's going on and then there will be sit down interviews with family and stuff and you don't really see exactly what was going on so I mean I found that interesting I was reading there's a lot of mixed feelings about the documentary some people really like it some people don't um it's extremely sad I will say I teared up a little bit because this was such a big big case and Shanann was very open on social media. She was a part of Thrive, which is um a I think it's an MLM company, a multi-level marketing company. And she was very high up. So she was always on Facebook. She was always talking about how much she loved Christopher, how much she loved her kids. Just it was just so in a way I feel like a lot of people they felt more like connected to her like they knew her because you can go back and you can see her post you like her Facebook's still up and everything so it's quite sad honestly seeing everything like she just she was so happy like she loved her family more than anything like you can she was a great mom from what I've seen and from what I've read, I really don't understand why people don't like her. Some people have been saying that she deserved what happened to her. Some people have been saying that she was super bossy. No wonder he wanted to get rid of you. Those are some of the comments I've seen in the past couple of days. But I just want to address that really quickly. No matter how bossy, bossy, because the best part is too with women, people will say that they're bossy, but they're not. They just know what they want. And if you want to be bossy, bossy, what people, with quotes, I'm quoting literally right above the microphone, um, be fucking bossy. 
be a boss ass bitch, frankly, because at the end of the day, you need to be happy with who you are in the mirror. And so if you want to call me bossy, if you want to call me a bitch, if you want to come them stuck up, like, no, because at the end of the day, you need to protect your family, you need to protect yourself. And if you know what you want in life, why wouldn't you say it? Because that's also a big thing that I've been reading and we'll delve into that a little bit. People think she's bossy because she was straightforward with what she wanted. She knew what she wanted. She would even to Christopher, she would be like, I want this done or I want you to do this or why can't we do that? Like she was very just upfront and I respect that. 100% you should be like that. You should be vocal about what you want in life because you're not going to get it just by sitting back and not saying anything you know? And you're the only one who can speak for yourself. So I think that's ridiculous. And second of all, I think it's absolutely disgusting that people are saying just because she was bossy that she deserved what happened to her. If Christopher wasn't happy, there are other ways to go about it. You can divorce someone. You can, because then he apparently said, oh, well, she said that I was never going to see my kids again. So that's why it happened. No, that doesn't matter. There are other things you can do. There is a court system in place so that if there isn't probable cause that you can't see them, like you, she didn't, he didn't abuse them or anything. I don't think that there's going to be any judge that's just going to be like, yeah, no, you can't see your kids. There's going to be something figured out. You can divorce her. You can get visitations you can split up the schedules I know so many people who have divorced parents growing up and they figured it out you do not ever 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 have to resort to murder and no one no one I don't give a flying shit what you do deserves to be murdered for no fucking reason sorry about my little rant but that like literally blew my fucking mind that I was reading that blew my mind it does not matter what someone does it does not matter the only time the only time that I might be like okay well maybe you deserved it is if someone's attacking you and trying to kill you and you unfortunately because that's also an unfortunate situation you kill them or if it's someone who inflicted a lot of pain like I'm sorry Jeffrey Dahmer deserved it Ted Bundy deserved it. People like that. You know what I mean? But a mother who's trying to save her relationship with her husband and he's out having a little affair with Miss Nicole over there. No, she doesn't fucking deserve to be killed. Her babies don't deserve to be killed. What? Like, what? what is wrong with people? I really, do, I really, I read that and I was like, what is wrong with you? Like, do you have that much hate and negativity in your heart that you genuinely think that this woman deserves to be murdered because she was a little bossy? You were like, well, you drove him into the ground. I'm sorry. Fucking, if you need, if you're upset because your wife is being a little bossy that you need to kill her, grow some fucking balls. Get the fuck over it. Maybe speak up and say, hey, I don't like when you treat me that way. And the best part, too, is in the documentary, you see text messages between her and her best friend talking about, oh, I know I need to work on the way. Like, she was, she was fully aware of it. She was working on it. She was honest with him. And you can read the letters. She said that she was sorry for how she was acting. But now she deserves to be murdered. What? No one's fucking perfect, okay? I'm sick of the belief that we're all fucking perfect, that I'm better than you people. No, you're not. Everyone has flaws. There is not one person in this world that doesn't have one flaw, that doesn't have something that they need to work on. And that shows maturity as well if you can look in the mirror and say, hey, I need to work on this. 100%. I know there's things I need to work on. There's things everyone needs to work on to make yourself a better person, to make yourself able to look yourself in the face at the end of the day and be happy with who you are. You always need to be working at it. So that's, that's just all I have to say about it. I just needed to address that because that's fucking ridiculous. I was mind blown the past couple of days seeing that. And I've been following this case since 2018. 2018. I read the 200-page discovery. 
and what he did to them was disgusting. And she deserves it? What is wrong with you? I just... I can't with people. I, I really can't. I just needed to rant about that. I fucking read that and I literally told my boyfriend, I was like, I'm making an episode. I need to talk about this because this is blowing my fucking mind. I can't because I'm in a lot of true crime groups on Facebook, not just podcasts, but just people where we talk about cases. And there was a post about this case and we're all talking about it because the documentary just came out. So yeah, everyone's going to start talking about it again. And people are commenting that. What? What? What In what universe is it okay to kill people? It's not. How about that? It's not. You don't deserve to take it into your own, own hands and decide if that person gets to live or not. When all they tried to do. Because that's the most heartbreaking thing. She loved him. And you can tell. She loved him. She loved those babies. She wanted to make it work. She wanted to do everything she could. And he did that piece of shit that's what I need to say that's all I'm going to say so so I have a lot of information okay because I've been delving into this a lot so I'm getting my information from Wikipedia I'm bringing my information from Oxygen I'm getting my information from the Denver Post getting my information from Bustle and I'm getting my information from the Daily Beast there is a lot of information with this case because of the fact that I mean, welcome to the 21st century. Everything's online. So there's stuff from her social media. There's stuff from her cell phone text messages. There's stuff from the letters that she left him. There's stuff from the, even the body camera, seeing how he was acting. There's stuff from her conversations with other people. So it was a very, very, there was a lot of, in a way, evidence and things to go back on. And you can kind of see like, the breakdown of everything and you can really put together a timeline over what happened you know so so let's start so christopher lee watts and shanann catherine watts were natives of spring lake in aberdeen north carolina um they met in 2010 and were married in mecklenburg county on november 3rd 2012 um, they had two daughters, Bella Marie Watts, born December 17th, 2013, and Celeste Catherine, or Cece. I'm going to refer to her as Cece because that's what they called her as well, so just so you know. Born July 17th, 2015. Um, the family lived in a five-bedroom home in Frederick, Colorado, purchased in 2013. And what I found about this home, this home was almost $400,000. Christopher Watts, his just to put in perspective as far as like the money coming in his he was hired as a contractor um and his salary was about $62,000 a year so and um Shanann I forgot I almost said Catherine because we were just talking about Cece <laughs> um Shanann's um salary was between 80 and 100,000 I was kind of finding mixed um, information about that. A lot of people were saying over a hundred. Some people were saying 80. It, you don't really know, but that's as far as a ballpark. So you kind of see she was kind of the quote unquote breadwinner in the relationship, you know? Um, the couple actually declared bankruptcy in 2015. Uh, Chris was employed by Andarco Petroleum while Shanann was the independent representative for the multi-level marketing company, level selling a product called thrive so that's where thrive comes from um at the time of her death she was 15 weeks pregnant with a son whom they had named nico lee watts and her due date was january 31st 2019 so she died august 13th 2018 and her due date was january 31st 2019 so she wasn't super far along but it was enough so they knew the gender she was very very excited um, and she was looking forward to having Nico. She said a lot you can see in text messages between her and Christopher and her and other people talking about how excited that she was that she was having a baby boy. Um, it was very heartbroken, and I will say I choked up at the end of the documentary. And if you want to watch the documentary, just skip over this part like a minute just so 
I don't tell you the ending, but at the end of the documentary, there is a video from her Facebook page of the Cece and Bella dancing around, and she, they're dancing, they're having fun, and Shanann, you can hear her off camera saying, I love you girls, and they just immediately, like, hug her, and you see the three of them just hugging, and then the girls are like, well, we want to hug the baby now, and they hugged her stomach, and it was the most heartbreaking video ever, because it just shows you how much they loved each other, and it's super upsetting to hear about what happened with them you know um all right so then so now we're going into the disappearance that was just to give you a little background so shanann were turned home from a business trip to arizona at about 1 40 a.m on august 13th 2019 having received a ride from her friend and colleague nicole Toft Atkinson. Um, before this trip, she was in North Carolina with her parents for about six weeks, I believe it was, and she took the kids out there. It was said that the reason that she took the kids out there was because, and this was kind of when the breakdown started, there was a altercation with Shanann and Chris's mom, um, Cece has a, um, nut allergy, and so she, Chris's mom, Cindy Watts, bought pistachio ice cream for the visit when she was, um, with the, with the girls, and, um, Shanann was very upset about this. This was all in North Carolina, obviously. And she yelled at Cindy about the ice cream choice because, obviously, like, Celeste has a very extreme nut allergy. So she's worried. I mean, I worked in a daycare, and it's terrifying. Like, because a... Especially it's an, if it's an anaphylactic shock allergy, you can, if you don't move fast enough after they've consumed it, they can die. Like, it's very serious. So, yeah, 100% she's going to get upset. Um, but then Cindy, Chris's mom, kicked Shanann out of the house and Shanann stopped talking to Chris's family. And this was all while they were in North Carolina. Chris is not there. And so Shanann's obviously calling Chris, like, hey, what the fuck? Like, I just got into a fight with your mom. She kicked me out of the house because I got upset about the ice cream. Like, and and Chris was like, oh, don't worry, I'll handle it, whatever. Um, This was also around the same time as um, Cece's birthday. And Chris's family did not come to that to celebrate, which is, I mean, upsetting. Like, obviously, they want their, like, grandparents there, you know? Like, why wouldn't she? Um, so then, so then she comes home from North Carolina. Chris had gone to North Carolina for a week, and based on the documentary, Shanann said to her friend that he only kissed her once when they saw each other at the airport, and then, like, that was really it. Like, he didn't really want anything to do with her. Um, there's pictures that she had sent to her friend of him just sleeping, after she had tried to have sex with him and he kind of rejected her so she was very upset about it like this is her husband she loves him she's missed him for five weeks she does say in the text messages you haven't been around your wife in five weeks and you don't even want to have sex with me like you don't miss me nothing um so then she gets home and she immediately has to go on this business trip to Arizona with her friend She left the kids at home with Chris, obviously, and um, Shanann and the two kids, so this was 1.48 in the morning on August 13th. You see a um, security camera footage because I think they had like a ring doorbell or a security, just something, a camera in front of the door. So you see her walking up to the door with her suitcase and going in and you see Nicole drive off. So that morning, Shanann had a appointment with her doctor for the baby, and she never showed up. 
granted i don't know how her friend nicole found this out um nicole had been texting her a morning she hadn't answered so from my understanding nicole called the doctor and was like hey did she show up and the doctor was like no she hasn't shown up and nicole felt that was very odd i mean i've never been pregnant but i know for a fact like when you're pregnant you need to go to your doctor's appointments because literally anything could change in like an hour so they're always constantly monitoring you you know just to make sure you're having a healthy pregnancy and so it was very out of character that she missed her appointment so then nicole and I think it was her son that she was with that you see on the body camera. I don't know if it was her son or if it was her boyfriend. I don't know because he looks like old, but whatever. So they went to the house and her car, Shanann's car was there. Um, she had gone up. Nicole went up to the door and was like knocking, ringing the doorbell. Nothing. Um, so then Nicole calls the police and she just wants to do a wellness check on her friend, obviously, because her friend's not answering the phone. She has no idea where she is. Super out of character for her because at this point, Nicole and Shanann are best friends. And me and my best friend, like, she knows if I don't answer and, like, my location is turned off, like, something's off, you know? Like, she knows when something's off. And... So she called the police and the police called Chris because they explained to Nicole, we cannot search the house unless we have probable cause. Like if they saw like blood on the floor or something and you see him, like you see the cop, like look in the window because he has a body camera on and it just like the house just looks clean. Like it just looks like nothing. Um, so he explained to her, I cannot go into the house unless I have permission so Nicole calls her, um, calls Shanann's mother, who's in North Carolina. At this point, Chris and Shanann live in Colorado, so it's a while. It's a couple states away, and she's like, "Hey, this is what's going on." And you hear Shanann's mom on speaker saying, "You can go into my daughter's house. Like, you need to find out what's happening." Because obviously, her mom's freaking out. Like, why the fuck isn't she answering? So she says that she gives her the passcode but at that point they had already called chris who was at work they said and so he was like yeah of course like i'll come and he comes and you see him pull up shakes the cop's hands and he's like hey like how are you doing like i don't know where she is she's not answering me either because at this point nicole has already called chris before she had even called the police she was like where the hell is she and he was like i don't fucking know maybe she's at a friend's house i'm at work whatever and so he lets them in the house and they look through the entire house um you see them realize that the girl's blankets are still there i believe is what they said and shanann's phone was there and they nicole and chris i'm just giving the eyes right now um look visibly upset because they're like this is literally her lifeline because obviously let's remember she is a part of a marketing company called lavelle that sells thrive so she's always on her phone she always has her phone on her because she needs it for work and they're like oh my god her phone's here so they unlocked the they turned the phone on the phone was off they turned the phone on and the documentary shows you you see all of these text messages come through and um it's chris saying oh where are you please answer me where what are you doing and this fucking pissed me off because the text messages were at like from what i've read from the discovery they're at like fucking like one o'clock in the afternoon like you fucking knew where they were bro you knew and you were just trying to cover your tracks this is like fucking the scott peterson case like he was just trying to cover his tracks he wanted to make it look like i didn't know where she was i don't know what was going on and so you see the sheets to their bed are gone like it's just looked like 
it's just like the uh, mattress cover and nothing else and like i think the pillows were on the floor and that was it so then chris comes out of the bedroom and he's like oh i have her wedding ring like what the fuck is going on because he's like maybe she left me like we were arguing last night hmm 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 you knew where they were okay you knew you knew absolutely ridiculous i just still can't believe like just like reading that i was like what the fuck what um so there was no signs of forced entry obviously or any struggle like the house looked normal it literally just looked like she kind of just like picked up her shit and left but like her car was still there her phone was still there her wedding ring was still there like it was super like it was just weird so then they go next door and this shit this is i feel like when it all started to unfold so they go next door and i don't know if i think it was next door yeah it was next door and the neighbor was like oh i have a camera outside my house and i like all i see was at 5 15 in the morning you see chris pull his truck up and back it into the driveway with kind of like the bed of the truck into the garage and you can kind of see like you can see him like carrying something and then like putting it in and then i think it's like at like 5 30 he just drives off and at this point you can see chris like chris is watching this video with him and i bet you chris was like holy shit i didn't know there was a fucking camera over there i'm fucking screwed so she's so he's like standing there he has his head his hands on his head like he's freaking out he's like what the fuck is going on but he's making it sound like oh my god like i don't know where they are like i'm freaking out and he's like oh she's 15 weeks pregnant by the way so whatever they have this conversation chris leaves the neighbor's house and chris is like kind of waiting at the door and the cop was like "Uh, no you can go like i'm just gonna talk to him for a second you know like so nonchalant the door closes fucking this is this blue eye, the door closes, a neighbor turns immediately to the cop. He's acting strange. He's super fidgety right now. I don't know what's wrong with him. He never leaves at that early. And I was like, fucking yes, pay attention. Be a good ass fucking neighbor. He was like, he knew. That neighbor knew in his fucking gut something sketchy was going on. Sketchy. So that's, I feel like that's when they kind of like started like looking at him a little bit. Like they're like, hmm, interesting. So then, which blew my mind, the cops were like, so then the cops come and at this point they're already reported missing. Like it's out there. This isn't no like, oh, like let's give it 24 hours and see if she comes. Like, no, they were like, they're missing. We know that for a fact. And the cop asked Christopher, oh, do you want my card? First of all, why aren't you asking them if you want their card? That would be red flag for me, number one. If someone I loved went missing, my kids, my significant other went missing, I'd be knocking on every fucking door. I'd be knocking on the police door. Do you have anything new? Do you have any other leads? I'd be searching nonstop. So what do you mean? Like, you're just standing there on your phone doing nothing. What? What? I, I just, I don't understand it. So now at this point, they realize that she left her purse She left her phone, she left her car, which had the children's car seats in it, she left her wedding ring, she basically left everything, and so now it's time, like, okay, where the hell are we, like, this is clearly out of character, you know? And so, the next day, on August 14th, the FBI and the Colorado Bureau of Investigation were called in to help with the search and try and figure out where... CC, Bella, and Shanann were. Um, Chris told police initially that he had no idea where they were and he had not seen his wife since 5.15 a.m. on the 13th when he left for work when we saw the camera from the neighbor's house of him pulling in. And then when they asked him about what he was pull- putting in his truck, because you can see him like going back and forth to the truck, he said that he was just putting tools in his truck for work because remember he works for a petroleum company so they deal with a lot of oil tanks like he's a contractor for them so he makes sure everything's built right you know um 
he gave interviews to Denver stations KMGH-TV and KUSA-TV outside his house, like right on the um, porch, basically pleading for his family's return. And during the interviews, you can see investigators with cadaver and search dogs on the property and you can hear them. But what struck me about his interview, and you can go and watch the interview on YouTube, was the fact that he wasn't, he seemed so like calm and collected, you know, like you've seen other people go missing and their loved ones are on TV crying and pleading for their safe return. Also not saying though that if someone's trying to keep it together that means that they automatically did something. Not what I'm saying. But now knowing what we know, if you watch the interview, it's kind of it's creepy because he's very just he's just like, I want them back, like please bring them back and like he admits that they had an argument the night before. He said it got emotional. He said it didn't get like aggressive or anything, but it got emotional and maybe that's why she left just to like clear her head but that's not a valid reason because one she left her car so how would she be able to leave and get a clear head if she's not even driving what do you think they're doing walking down the street no someone would have had to pick him up a if that were true b the neighbor has the cameras rolling literally non-stop and you never see anyone leave the house if she left that house or if someone went in the house you would very clearly see them and i'll put in a screenshot on instagram of like what it looked like from the neighbor's camera to their house like you can see if someone pulls up you can see if someone's there even with the neighbor's cars in the driveway so sketchy sketch super sketch like sketcher sneakers why the hell i just said that anyways moving on so let's remember she went missing on august 13th 2018 chris was asked to take a polygraph test because he's sitting there like I have no idea where they are I don't know what's going on and he's like I want them home just as much as you guys like trying to play the loving and endearing husband oh my goodness hmm um so he was like yeah of course I'll take a polygraph whatever you know I got this um he fails miserably absolutely miserably if once you watch the documentary the person who's the lady who's giving him the polygraph test you can just tell by her body language and she even says during the test she said you need to stop moving like (laughs) that's like sign number one that someone's lying if they're super fucking fidgety and i will say christopher watts you are very obviously a liar like you are terrible at hiding that you're lying because you can see it from the first conversation he has with the police like did you really think you were gonna it's another one of those it's just like the scott peterson case did you really think you were gonna get away with it what do you think people are stupid i'm like i'm so confused what um so then so he's arrested on august 15th and this happened because after he takes a polygraph he fails it and so they come in the lady who's giving him the polygraph and i assume a detective um come in and they're like you clearly know something like you need to let us know where they are and eventually um he breaks down and tells his father and the police that yes i killed them he says though he says though and i appreciate in a way how the woman was talking to him she was kind of playing like that hard ass like no like you're gonna fucking tell us you know and so he says that they got into an argument he said that he wanted a divorce um in the morning so he says that they had sex that night he woke up the next morning and they got into the argument because he was like no i want a divorce and she was like what the fuck like what happened last night because first of all you just you just slept with her like what if you wanted a divorce why didn't you say that before you got your nut i'm confused you know and so then they got into an argument and he says that she went into 
because then she's like well you're not you're never gonna see your kids anymore like fuck you this like you're never gonna see them I'm done with this so he said that she went into Cece and Bella's room and strangled them and the woman who he's telling this to is like so you're okay with the public knowing that Shanann did this to her babies and he was like yes I didn't do this to my babies like this is ridiculous I didn't do this I did it out of anger like I killed her because I was so angry and um he said that she like didn't fight and he just like strangled her to death that's what he said um but he didn't know so he tells them all this and then the guy detective was like um hey we know you're having an affair an affair might I add a fucking affair with Nicole Kessinger Kessinger so now they're like hmm well Christopher it looks like you wanted to just get rid of your old life to start this new life with Nicole you know so obviously they bring Nicole in and they're like hey how is he acting and like in her text messages you could see that she was saying like like, she wanted to have kids, and, like, she was jealous that he had, like, she was saying this to him, so they were, like, do you see how, like, we could maybe think that, like, you had a hand in this, and she was, like, yeah, yeah, I didn't, though, but, but, pause fucking hold on this one, I found this out when I'm deep diving into fucking Google, Nicole's, found two things out so nicole in her phone in her search engine was do you remember amber frey and if this is the first episode you're listening to amber frey is from the scott peterson episode that we talked about this week go listen to it if you haven't already and she was his mistress so she was looking up amber frey book deal how much money did amber frey make um shanann watts she was looking that's all in her google search why would you be wondering about how much money amber frey is making i'm fucking confused you know sketch and so then um so that i found that out so that was like hmm interesting in the words of bailey sarian suspicious, you know and what i also found out was that nicole's father donates a lot of money to the colorado police so i mean this is not confirmed this is all a conspiracy theory so people are saying that she had a lot more to do with it than we know that's like made public and that she was able to get away with it because of her father i don't know i don't know i mean her google search history does her no justice let me say that because why would you be looking that up like i'm sorry if i'm dating someone i found out he has a wife and now that wife is missing fuck yeah i'm going to the police i'm like here you go here are all the text messages i didn't fucking know about her like sorry like there you go like i'm not getting fucking dragged into your shit i didn't kill anyone so if you didn't kill anyone and you didn't have a hand in it why are you looking that up you feel me i wouldn't want to be tied to that so just something to think about you know um so yeah so then shenan he says that he strangled her and that in a fit of rage and that's when he brought the three bodies to the oil storage site that he was working on for his job which was about an hour away from his house where he worked um they located the bodies of shanann and bella and cece um shanann was in like a shallow grave and then bella and cece were stuffed in like these oil tankers which was pretty fucked um the least you can do is like keep them together like i just think that's so cold in itself like he not only killed them and ended their lives but not even like as shitty as the word is disposing of them together like what like why wouldn't you keep them together i'm so like what's the point of doing that i I don't understand um and that was on august 16th 
He obviously had been fired from his job on August 15th, which was the day he was arrested. And the same day that he was arrested, um, Shanann's parents, Frank and Sandy Ruzik, it's R-Z-U-C-E-K. So I'm not 100% sure how to say that. Please excuse me. Um, They filed a lawsuit against him for six million dollars for as like a wrongful death lawsuit for the death of their daughter and grandchildren um in 2019 it was resolved the following year with him agreeing to pay the family the full amount but the family probably will never see that money because he had no money so it was just for writing's sake I guess like it's like him admitting to it you know um, so then on August 21st, he was formally charged with five counts of first degree murder, including an additional one count per child cited as death of a child who had not yet attained 12 years of age and the defendant was in a position of trust, um, unlawful termination of a pregnancy and three counts of tampering with a deceased human body. So yeah, so he was charged with quite a lot, you know, <laughs> like, It wasn't just, like, a first-degree murder. He fucked up a lot. Um, He was denied bail at his first court appearance. At a later hearing, bail was set at $5 million, with him being required to put down 15% to be released. Um, With the I'm doing something with school this semester that we learn a lot about the judicial system and it's very very interesting to me I'm enjoying it a lot because I mean obviously I have a true crime podcast I enjoy anything to do with the judicial system and just really learning about it and learning what goes into it the proceedings that go into it I want to know why people do the things they do as we've talked about and I from what I'm seeing it kind of varies as far as how much you need to be you need to put up to be released um, so then on September 1st, he posted $750,000 and was released pending legal proceedings. Um, what I'm really confused about though, and I mean, I don't, I'm confused of how he was able to get bail because he had no money, but, and I know bail bondsmen's like they put it up for you and then the money goes back to them. But don't, like, they make money somehow, don't they? Like, why would they do that? That's just mine. Because then if they, the defendant doesn't show up for court, you don't get that money back. So that's what they're risking. So, like, I mean, I don't know. I don't understand. That I don't understand yet. So if you know, please let me know. Because I don't. (laughs) Um, In the media, it was considered a crime of family annihilation. Um, just like uh, Scott Peterson's was. Um, many, it was said by former FBI profiler Candace DeLong that many of these crimes occur in August before school starts, which may delay detection and investigation because they're not in school yet. Um, so, like, say, and it's so upsetting to even say about, but say, a husband or a wife kills their entire family at the beginning of August and school doesn't start till the end of August and they're not really in school camp or anything. That gives them a good month's time before anyone's really going to be like, hey, like this person hasn't been showing up a lot, you know? So it's, which is super upsetting of like them just sitting in a house or sitting somewhere like disposed and no one really knowing what's going on, you know? Um, she, Candace DeLong also said cases such as Chris Watts are rare because family annihilators usually commit suicide after the murders. Um, and I read this also that he said that he claimed to have contemplated out of guilt for his actions, um, to commit suicide. But I think that's just like taking the easy way out personally. Like, how are you going to kill your entire family and then just kill yourself? Like, if you're that upset with yourself, like, no. Like, no one should be dying. No sh- no one should be killing themselves. Like, you just need to get help, you know? Or get a divorce and get help. Like, that's it, you know? Um, in an interview with Dr. Phil, his lawyers claim that he confess- confessed to killing Shanann after an argument regarding divorce. 
So now this gets super upsetting because this was in the documentary. This was in this Dr. Phil interview. I watched a couple videos on after it. So Chris ended up admitting and you hear the recording of him discussing exactly what happened and kind of admitting to everything. So from what he said was they got into an argument. Um, she said that you're never going to see your kids again. Like we're getting a divorce which, I mean, that I also don't agree with, you know, like, you sh- I don't think you should ever keep your kids from their parents unless it's an abusive household, and that's mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever it may be. If you're abusing them, you should not have access to them, but if he's, and from what I read, which is why a lot of people were shocked, he was a great dad to them, so everyone was pretty shocked when this happened, like, no one saw it coming, And she was a great mom to them. So it's not... And she even said in some of the text messages how good of a dad he is and how much he loves his kids. So, like, that that I don't agree with personally. But not saying that what he did afterward, his response to it was terrible, disgusting. Um, So he strangled her. He he said that she did not fight back. um, And he put her in, like, a sheet... But before he had put her in the sheet, she was just kind of like laying face down on the bed. Um, When he said this, I just, I don't know how you're going to, so you're arguing with someone, right? And you're face to face. How is it, I mean, unless he moved her, but how did he strangle her and she's laying face down? You know, like you were talking to her, so she should be laying face up. So, a lot of people think that he might have, like, that even might be a lie, and he might have actually been, like, she was sleeping, and he was just, like, because he does say in his, um, like, it, in him admitting to it that he woke up that morning after, like, having sex the night before and, like, knew that, like, he was going to kill them. So, like, if you woke up already thinking that, and it's, you see 515, that's when he pulls up the truck to put the bodies in. So, you would have had to do this, like, at least a half hour before. Like, it's dark out. Like, like what? It's, like, 4.30, 4.45 in the morning. Like, I doubt they're, like, screaming, being all rambunctious, you know? Like, they have little girls. So during this he was kind of like uh Bella walked in and she was on the and Shanann was on the bed and Bella asked Christopher what was wrong with mom like what's wrong with mommy and Christopher told his daughter that her mother was quote-unquote sick and he was like you girls just come with me and that was when you see him pull the truck up on the neighbor's footage he that was when he put her body into the back of his work truck and his daughter's without car seats in the back which and then this is also something that I read that Shanann's body was on the floor like right in front of the girls like the girls were sitting in the back seat and then Shanann's body was on the floor in front of them and they just kept asking like what was wrong with mommy and he just kept saying oh she's sick like that's terrible what like that's literally one of the last things that they remembered seeing their dead mothers like that's oh bless their souls like honestly wherever they are you know um So then they drove to the site, which was, like I said, about an hour away. And he said at this point was then that the children were just kind of like asking questions. Like they're little, you know, like they're like confused. So he took Cece out of the car. I believe it was um, Cece. Let me double check. I don't know if it was Cece who said that. Um, oh, okay. So, here it is. Here it is. So this is extremely heartbreaking. This made me want to cry, honestly. So, he said that when they got to the site, um, he 
brought them there. They were alive, obviously, and he took Cece out and um he had Cece's favorite blanket, which is why it was still there. And as they were um and he smothered Cece to death with her favorite blanket. And at this point, Bella saw everything. And um, Watts said that Bella was very, very smart. And she, like, saw Watts wrapping her mother's body in a blanket. And so he was saying, like, she knew what was going on. She knew what was about to happen. And so at this point, after he smothered Cece to death and Bella saw him do that, Bella says, please, Daddy, do not do to me what you just did to Cece. And then he suffocated her um he said that neither one of them tried to fight and that was when he decided to put shenan in a shallow grave and bella and Cece into the oil tanks and the holes were super small from the pictures that i saw so when they found the bodies they said that there was some like hair and dna on the opening of the hole so they think he was like shoving them in there which is I literally started tearing up like that was that was hard for me to hear because these were especially because you see the videos of Bella and Cece like they looked like such happy adorable little girls like they loved their parents and the fact that their dad did this to them like I can't I can't so then Chris agrees to plead guilty to the murders on November 6th and the death penalty was not put forward by the district attorney at the request of Shanann's family, who they said um, he does he did do a press conference talking about this, but they said they didn't want to cause any more deaths. Like there was enough death surrounding the situation, so they didn't want to proceed with the death penalty and then put him to death too. Um, which I think is extremely admirable. I don't think a lot of people would do that. I think a lot of people would be like, give them the chair, you know? Like, so I think the fact that they did that, that was just, it just also shows like they're trying to move on as well in a way. I mean, as much as you can after their daughter's husband, who they have known for years and loved him, killed her and their grandkids, you know? So... I think they just didn't want to continue with, because there was so much, like, media attention around it, um, from what I heard, there wasn't, like, they, people were, like, following them, like, people would show up at their house, like, they just kind of wanted to be left alone, and to grieve, you know, um, they were supportive of the decision to accept his plea of guilty, um, on November 19th, he was sentenced to five life sentences, three consecutive and two concurrent without the possibility of parole. So he's never, never, never getting out. He received an additional 48 years for the unlawful termination of his wife's pregnancy and 36 years for three charges of tampering with the deceased body. Um, his $5 million bail, million dollar bail was revoked and he was immediately taken into custody there wasn't because I think sometimes even if you're like found guilty sometimes you can post bail and they'll be like you don't have to report to jail for like a month but the judge was like yeah no like you're going you're starting this now um on December 3rd 2018 he was moved to an out-of-state location due to security concerns from what I read it was because of a lot of people in jail like if you kill a child that's like a deal breaker for them and the fact he killed his own children um the other inmates at the prison didn't really respect there was a lot of threats um I read a couple like reports of that he had gotten beat up a couple times it wasn't like an enjoyable situation for him you know, um, they really thought that someone was going to kill him. Like, that's how bad it was, you know. So then on December 5th, 2018, he arrived at the jo Dodge Correctional Institution, a maximum security prison in Wapun, Wisconsin, to continue serving his life sentences. And he's just kind of been there ever since. And, yeah, so that was that and so if you do 
if you guys do want to watch anything else surrounding the um, case, there is the documentary that just came out on Netflix. There is um, tw- a 2020 episode on it. There's a special report show on HLN from December 2018 titled Family Massacre Chris Watts Exposed. Um, there's the Dr. Phil episode where he was also with Nancy Grace, Candace DeLong, the former FBI profiler and law enforcement consultant, Steve Cardian, and body language expert Susan Constantine. And they basically profiled and analyzed this entire case. It's actually pretty interesting to watch. Like professionals really sit down and analyze a case and just like it takes you through their like mind process, you know? It kind of, I don't want to make. I don't want to say it makes it easier to understand why it happened, but you see, you learn about, like, deep, deeper meanings of why it happened than it is at face value, you know? Like, it gives you a deeper understanding of it. Not saying there's a, you, like, leave the episode being like, oh, I get it now. I get why he killed her. Oh, my God. Makes total sense. No, no, not at all. You still, it's, no. Um, But it gives you a little bit more deeper insight into the kind of person he was, the kind of person Shanann was, and why he did this, kind of. It, like, kind of answers that why question we're all looking for, you know? And then also there's a episode on the Dr. Oz show um, with the neighbor who had the video of him backing up his truck and he's the one who, like, helps take him through the case. Um, apparently the neighbor was, like, very huge in helping to make sure that he was convicted. And he did a lot to make sure, like, in honor of Shanann, I guess, he really liked her. His wife really liked her. So that's why he was very involved in making sure that the police and the investigators had all of the information that they needed, had everything they needed from him, and just to make sure that uh, Christopher gets brought to justice, which I think is very admirable as well. Um, because some neighbors would just be like, yeah, no, like they were cool, I guess. And then that's it. Like some people it's, I feel like it's rare nowadays to be like, yeah, I have a relationship with my neighbors. You know, it's not like how it was before where you had like the block parties and everyone was best friends, you know? Um, so I mean, if you can befriend your neighbor, You might, like, save their life one day or something. You never know. Or they might save yours. You never know. Um, So, yeah. So, that is it. And you guys let me know what you think about this. It's a super, super sad case. And it's very heartbreaking, the fact that this happened. Especially just looking at the pictures and the videos and everything. It kind of when you see videos like this I feel like it humanizes the victims in a way because like I've said before victim we kind of tend to forget about the victims and forget that there are people and souls that experience these terrible things that we're reading about we need to remember them too and like they had families they had lives they had friends they had dreams goals ambitions like no one deserves to have these things happen to them and it's especially heartbreaking I feel like when it's a family um especially a family like this one where they kind of seem to have it all and it just kind of came all crumbling down and ended in this absolute tragedy because that's what it is it's an absolute tragedy what happened to Shanann what happened to Bella Cece Nico Nico hadn't even started his life yet he was 15 weeks and from the videos I'm seeing he would have had a phenomenal mother and it's super sad and upsetting it kind of makes you think of like like holding your family closer and the people you love closer um because sometimes sometimes family is not always blood sometimes family's your friends your best friend you know but yeah so I wanted to give you guys this bonus episode because I just feel like this is a big thing that everyone's talking about right now and everyone's just kind of like we want to know as much as possible so I tried to do as much digging as possible found a lot of information as you can see we are now what time is it we are now an hour in and it's still just you still want to make sense of it you can't 
as much as we always try, I don't think we will ever make sense of terrible tragedies like this, but we try. We tried to also note in our heads, like, signs and stuff, like, oh, if someone acts like this, maybe we should watch them a little, but, yeah. So, you guys let me know what you think about this, and let me know if you guys watch the documentary and what you guys think about it. Um, I honestly saw a lot of mixed feelings about it as well, like I said at the beginning, so yeah, let me know, and if you guys have any cases you want me to talk about in the next couple weeks, we have some good stuff coming. We have the PodCon convention in December, officially. Insert applause, because I've never done a convention before. I'm super excited. We have some Halloween stuff coming. Wink, wink. I'll let you know about that in like a couple weeks, and I'm gonna have some good stuff coming so I'm excited so you guys have a good day wherever you are stay spooky stay safe and I'll talk to you later bye